Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. I do a ton of thread work over there every single night. I'm doing a thread about some player notes. You get links to these shows over there as well, and my articles, which come out Sunday afternoon. This past week, it was a buy low and sell high. I talked about two players to be buying, two to be selling. So go and check that one out over on my Twitter or at sportsethos.com. Yesterday, we had Paul Spore on the show. If you guys missed that one, you should go back and check it out. Paul worked for Fangraphs. He is a fantastic baseball mind. He's been around for a long time. We chatted him up on some trending topics around baseball. We talked about some Jacob deGrom stuff, what we expect from him, what to do with Mike Trout, uh, some Juan Soto trade hypotheticals. It was a really great time. So go ahead and check that one out from yesterday with Paul. It was it was a fantastic show. Today, we're going to be getting back to where we typically stand on the day-to-day basis. Look back at some of yesterday's top performers. We'll look at the waiver wire and see who's being added and who's being dropped in a lot of cases. And we will, of course, give you my matchup of the night. So why don't we start off with some of yesterday's top players. Merrill Kelly. So when I write my notes um, in the evening, I don't try to stay up so, so late. I try to get to bed at, at a reasonable time. There's sometimes West Coast games that I just don't see till the end. When I... Had, tuned myself out for the night and getting ready for bed and whatnot. Merrill Kelly was through like six innings, and he finished with an eight-inning shutout of San Francisco. Eight innings, seven strikeouts, only three hits allowed. And don't look now, but Merrill Kelly's ERA is 3.04, and he has 10 victories. He's a top 100 player this season at this point. Over the last month, he's pitched 34 and a third innings. He has four victories. He struck out 25, which is not going to blow you away, but it's solid enough, especially because he has a 1.57 ERA and a .79 whip. Uh, I've been up and down a little bit on Merrill Kelly this year. I'll be honest with you. There's times when I've been really big on him. He's struggled a little bit at some points. There's been some shaky outings. Overall, though, fairly consistent floor there for Merrill Kelly. He's usually giving you six innings, not giving up usually more than two, sometimes three runs. He's been very solid. He's up to 67% rostered on Yahoo. He's a 12-team guy. He's absolutely a 12-team guy. There's probably someone, if you are in a, in a 12, maybe maybe a 10, there are better options. But even in a 10, I mean, he's provided top 100 value. There should be some guys ahead of him just who have underperformed and in injuries and whatnot. So, I mean, he's not one of the 100 best fantasy players, but he has been so far this season – He's got three straight victories. He's not really allowing any earned runs. Going back to June the 24th, that was the last time he allowed more than two earned runs. A lot of good stuff has come out of Merrill Kelly this season. I think he's an absolute must in 12s, and I think he's there's even decent opportunity to stream him in in 10s and 
depending on how your league values pitching, he could be uh, a roster across like pretty much all formats. Eight team leagues, no, he's not going to be an eight team guy. But tens iffy, twelve is for sure as far as I see it. Kyle Freeland had himself a really solid outing yesterday. Seven innings, four hits against, one walk, struck out seven, and he did get the victory. We've seen him have a couple of decent outings this season. They're few and far between, but he's been okay uh, a few times here. There's, n- like, there's nothing that's going to scream ad at you here, and I'm hoping that people aren't doing that. But he-, he was very good yesterday against Milwaukee. I caught a little bit of this one, but there- there's no fantasy move to be made if we're being honest with ourselves. Ha- pitching at Coors is just very hard to have value in general, and Freeland is just... I don't know. He's he's fine. He did well yesterday. It was on the road. If you want to keep him in mind as a deeper league streamer, then that's okay, I guess. I'd rather think about Herman Marquez in those kind of cases. I really like Herman Marquez and what he can do. Freeland, not so much. Jimer Candelario had three hits and two home runs yesterday. Not really too interested in him. He's had some power recently. He's got four homers over the last month, but the batting average is pretty low. He doesn't steal any bases. Not in a great lineup. Not in a great park. Overall, uh, Candelario's not somebody that I'm going to be too interested in adding here. He's fine enough. I mean, last year, if you look what he did last year, he was okay. But this year, the batting average is way down. It's just, I personally wouldn't be bothering with an ad here of Candelario. Now, here's someone I would definitely be bothering with an ad of, and that's Aaron Ashby. He was ridiculous last night. Seven innings, five hits, two earned runs, one walk, and nine strikeouts. And you might not look at that line and say, oh, that's not really ridiculous. Like, he was okay. He was actually really, really good. And when you start to dig into the numbers, you see why. There was 28 called strikes, and he also had 14 swings and misses. So 37.8% of his pitches last night were either called strikes or swings and misses. That is excellent. You can see on my Twitter, he was a part of my notes last night, and I just posted up his StatCast page. It was one of the pieces of the thread. I'm like, this is something you need to look at if you're still down on Aaron Ashby. Those of you who don't know StatCast, I think everybody pretty much is familiar at this point, but if you don't, they do percentile rankings where you rank amongst your peers in baseball, and essentially it's red is hot, blue is cold for where you are ranking. Out of all of the categories, he's only cold or not excelling in walk percentage, which, yes, he's not great with walks, and fastball spin. Everything else, he is in the 65th or higher percentile. Everything else across all the categories, which include exit velocity, hard hit percentage, strikeout rate, uh, chase rate, whiff percentage, all everything he is doing well in other than fastball spin and walk percentage. Yes, he walks just over 10% of batters. It's a little high, but you make up for that when you strike out 27%. He was 26% rostered yesterday on Yahoo, and I haven't checked this morning, actually, to see his percentage. I'm sure it's gone up a few ticks here. Uh, at 27, it's still, people are still not interested in him for whatever reason. I'd be going and adding Aaron Ashby. The only one possible problem down the road is if Freddie Peralta comes back and he doesn't stick in the rotation for whatever reason. I'm not expecting that, but I also wasn't expecting it with David Peterson the other night to come out and pitch in relief. That one was just boggling. I was really pissed off because I've had him in a, in a few cases, a few leagues. I picked him up thinking, DeGrom is going to be, you know, touch and go. We're not really sure what we're going to get out of him. There's no way that Peterson's going to start pitching in relief and just burning opportunities like that. But no, he's pitching in relief. He pitched like the seventh inning or whatever the other night. And I think he gave up a run too. So it's like just just brutal stuff. He, the way he had raised his strikeout numbers, how dominant he looked over the last six weeks-ish, 
Uh, I think it's really stupid of the Mets to have done that personally. But like we were talking about with Spore yesterday, there will be another opportunity for Peterson, likely because he's the next guy up. And everybody in that Mets rotation, is they're all old, right? The youngest guy is Taewon Walker at 30 or 31 years old. So it's like if anything happens, if there's any strains or whatnot, you know, Scherzer and DeGrom both been injured this year. Peterson will get another chance to pop back in there. So I know I've kind of went off off course here a little bit, but I see them in a similar vein. Of, if they're starting, then they have a ton of value. If they're in the pen, not as much, obviously, but every time that Peterson gets a start going forward, and same thing with Ashby. I'm assuming Ashby will stick in the rotation. He's a must-add for me in 12s right now. Peterson obviously is a little more iffy because of the uncertainty of his situation. Let's talk about Josh Rojas because he had himself a fantastic game yesterday. He stole three bases. He was two for four. He had a couple singles, knocked in a run, and he also stole three bags. For the season, five homers, 28 RBIs, 11 steals, and a 279 batting average for Josh Rojas. I don't know why he's still available anywhere between his eligibility and what he's been producing. He's only 55% rostered. Over the last month, he is a top 50 player. He's been batting 341. Obviously, those three steals yesterday give you a bigger boost in that column, but he's got 11. He's got 11 for the year. He only had nine last year. He's raised the batting average. He should have a similar number of home runs. Like He really should be on a roster in every single league, especially when you look at the fact that he can play second, third, short, and outfield. Like That's that's one of the more, not one of the more unique eligibilities, but it's certainly one of the more versatile eligibilities you're going to see in fantasy. It's excellent. He should be on a roster in every single league. There's there's no excuse for it at this point. The eligibility is what really what really sells at home because the production is he going to fall off a little bit here. He's at 341 for the last month, probably a little bit. You're not going to keep up 341 because as we know, nobody keeps up 341. If he can steal you some bags. Keep a decent, you know, 270-ish average while mixing in pretty much five-category production while having that eligibility. He's a a no-brainer for me. Eric Haas, he hit a grand slam last night, and he's actually been on a little tear himself, 19 for his last 57, five homers and 15 RBIs in that span. The huge part about Eric Haas is that he's eligible at catcher and in the outfield. That's a huge thing. If you're looking back on last year, he had 350 at-bats. He hit 22 home runs, and he even stole a couple of bases. I wouldn't expect too many steals from him, but eh, didn't get the odd one. We saw Jordan Alvarez steal yesterday, so you never know what's going to happen, but a couple from last year, you're thinking maybe a couple can happen uh, down the stretch this year. That's not why you'd be adding him. You'd be adding him for that dual catcher and outfield eligibility. Two catcher formats, 15-team leagues, daily changes. Those are the leagues where I think Eric Haas can have the most value, specifically a deeper slash two-catcher format. The daily changes is nice because he doesn't play every single day. Weekly settings, he's probably going to be a, a bit of a harder player to plug into your lineups there. Let's talk MJ Melendez for a second, another catcher slash outfield eligible guy. He hit a home run last night, and he's up to 10 homers for the season. 28 RBIs, 25 runs. It's not going to blow you away, but with that eligibility, I would be taking a shot on him if you haven't already. He's still pretty widely available, about 40% owned. You can find him in a lot of cases, more of a coin flip, but in more competitive leagues, he might be a little bit harder to find. In your standard everyday league, he should be there on a lot of wires, and he's been fairly valuable to this point. Over the last two weeks, he's batting over 300. He kind of came out of nowhere this season, really. There was a few catcher prospects who were on people's radar. I don't think Melendez really was, but he's provided solid power. He's done a good job for them. 
For me, I think that you can make a case for him in a 12, and in a 10, it's de- really depending on, on a lot of factors in your league. If there's multiple catcher spots, how how competitive really people are on the waivers, there's there's different factors. I think 12 is the border is the cutoff there, and then 10 is like the odd 10 team league. I think you could make a case for him in. Going to talk about a couple of pitches from yesterday, and then we'll move on to our waiver wire breakdown. So we'll start with the good, and then we'll go to the bad. Nick Lodolo was definitely the good, and these pitchers actually went up against each other last night. Nick Lodolo went six innings, five hits, gave up two runs. Neither of them were earned. He struck out nine, he walked two, and he got the victory. So he had 21 called strikes and 12 singing, singing and 12 swinging strikes on 96 pitches, which was fantastic. He's been a bit of a mixed bag this season. He came into last night with a 581 ERA, but a 370 XFIP. He's striking out 29% of batters. And his BABIP coming into last night was 435. BABIP should be around the 300 mark. When you're allowing that high of a BABIP, there's no no wonder you're not having success. He's rostered in about 20% of Yahoo leagues and about 8% of ESPN leagues. He's a 15-team must-add for me in 12-team streamer. Uh, I really like Nick Lodolo going forward. I like him a lot more like years to come as opposed to the rest of the season. I think Dynasty can be a really strong buy. I don't think he'll cost you too, too much right now because he has struggled this season. I'd be all in on Nick Lodolo. Now we will get to the ugly. And the ugly is Trevor Rogers, who has been... I saw someone tweet out, I think it was Eric Cross, that he has one quality start in 19 outings this year, or something just horrific like that. So last night, he went three and two-thirds, gave up eight hits, six earned runs, he struck out five, and he walked two. Six swinging strikes on 84 pitches. It's just... Everything, every stat you're going to hear about him is just awful. Like the strikeouts have fallen from 28.5 to 20%. To fall 8% when you strike out right in, in a year is just like, where does that come from? It's just so out of the blue. A lot of the stats for him look around the same. His velo is about the same. I don't get it. The walks are now a big problem with him, over 10%. His FIP is 454 and his XPIP is 451. If you look at the bat projections on fan graphs, they think he's going to get three wins a 447 ERA, and a 136 whip the rest of the season. I don't see that being worth anybody's time, nobody's time. The only reason why he's still on rosters is because you had to invest a high draft pick in him, and now you feel kind of shitty if you have to drop him from that. And I get it. I had to do it with Adalberto Mondesi for different reasons. I had to do it with Walker Bueller. I had to drop Walker Bueller in a lot of leagues, and a lot of you guys listening will probably have the same kind of thing going on. Now, they made some kind of announcement about Walker Bueller which I'm not buying at all. They said, um, what was it? Could return to the Dodgers rotation in September. Well, not that I'm not buying it, but I think that they're being overly optimistic here in their public image right now. So that teams at the deadline, if they are going to trade for pitchers, they give off the view of, we don't really need these guys. We'll take whoever, Luis Castillo or Frankie Montes, but we don't really need them. So it'll. I think it's more of a negotiating tactic than anything else, really. Because if teams know that Walker Bueller is coming back, and let's say one way or the other, we'll look at it both ways. First, let's say he's not coming back, and the Dodgers know this. Teams will then try and squeeze the Dodgers and charge them more for Walker Bueller or for Walker Bueller's replacement. If they know he is coming back, then, well, it's not going to be such a big concern there because, well, for obvious reasons. But if, he, if they know that he's going to be out, 
if teams know that there's no chance of seeing Bueller again, that the Dodgers are going to be desperate for pitching, they're going to squeeze the Dodgers and charge them a lot more than what they probably should. So that is why I think you see announcements like this when really it doesn't matter. We don't need these little updates. He played catch. Okay, he played catch. I had him in a lot of leagues, and I've dropped him in all but one league, which is a 15-team deep league with a lot of IL slots. So I figured, okay, it's a points league too. So in that kind of case, yeah, I would I would keep him. If you have a free IL slot, if it's a deep league, sure. If you're talking your standard 12-team league with like three IL slots, I don't think I could justify holding on to Walker Bueller through that. Now, going back to Trevor Rogers here, he's another guy just – Cut bait on him. I don't understand why we're still waiting for, for miracles here when we're literally 20 starts into the season, and he's been horrific. He's been absolutely horrific. A 585 ERA, a 1.6 whip. He has four victories so far this season. Last year, he was a good strikeout pitcher with good ratios. He did win a lot of games because it's the Marlins, and they just they don't win a lot of games. But this year, it's like... Everything has fallen off, but if you look at the advanced numbers and speed and everything else, he looks about the same. So I, I really am puzzled by Trevor Rogers. I'm not a pitching expert. I can look at the stats and look at what my eyes tell me like everybody else. I don't know exactly what happened with him. He's a dud for this year. Maybe he regains it next year. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know, but either way, Trevor Rogers for me, he was a drop a while back. Like The first time I talked about him being a drop, Let's see. It was June the first. Been not this. I've been I've been a Trevor Rogers hater now for a solid two months. I am so ready to be done with them, and I'm not just hating for no reason. He's been he's been shit. He's been awful. Get him off your teams. There's no there's no reason to roster this guy. It's I've seen the same thing with Aroldis Chapman. He's what what is he now? Eighty plus percent rostered still. Um, Seventy nine. 79% rostered still. Why? He has a 5.75 ERA. He doesn't save games. Get him the hell out. Get this dead weight crap. Get him out. They're just so unnecessary at this point of the year. These injured arms where it's like, oh, maybe you get one start, or these guys who've been terrible, and it's like, uh, maybe no, no, no. Get him out. Gone. No need, no need for Trevor Rogers. Sorry, guys. I feel I get very passionate about my Trevor Rogers takes. We're going to be moving on to the waiver wire portion of the show here. We're going to be looking at the most added and dropped players in Yahoo leagues today. So number one, biggest ad is Mitch White. He gets a start against Washington. It's a great streaming opportunity. I was not huge on him really that much this season. And even in his last start, I remember saying, eh, I'm not sure I'd start him here against San Francisco. He only struck out one, but he threw five shutout innings. So can't really complain too much there. He's a solid streamer for tonight. He's an absolutely rock solid, probably the best pitching stream you're going to be able to find uh, who's widely available tonight. Let's talk about Braxton Garrett. And I'm not really sure. Like He's the second most added player across the entire player pool today. I don't really get it. Well, one, he starts tomorrow. So maybe people are trying to add him ahead of the tomorrow start. But it's a great American ballpark against the Reds. We know that that ballpark can be a real bitch. So I don't understand why people are going a day ahead and adding Braxton Garrett here. Uh, yeah, he's been on a good run. Yes, he had two very good starts against Pittsburgh. So keep that in mind. It was, they're both against Pittsburgh. 12 innings over two games. He got one victory, 18 Ks, gave up one earned run. 
It's, it was great. It was a great couple of starts there. I'm not sure I'm sold at Great American Ballpark. I'm just, that's a really tough field for the best of us. I would not be jumping a day ahead even to go and stream Brax and Garrett here. Like, I, I don't understand the move, to be honest with you. George Kirby has also been added quite a bit. He's starting tonight against Texas. I really like George Kirby. I've talked about him a little bit over Twitter. I think he should be added in most leagues. I mean, he's pitched to a, just about a strikeout per inning at this point. He's got a 378 ERA, a 124 whip, and he's gotten better as the year went on. A lot of people panicked when he got sent down, but I think that was more just to keep him a bit of work during the All-Star break. He didn't have a great outing when he went down. You have four runs over two innings, but overall here, I like I like the matchup against Texas, and I like his outlook rest of season. There's not that many viable starters just sitting on the waiver wire. Uh, I'd, I'd be very much inclined to go and pick up George Kirby if you can. Steven Kwan, he's been at it a lot. He's up to 32% rostered now. He's jumped up 13% in the last week, and what a roller coaster it's been for Stephen Kwan's ownership this season. He's been, at the beginning of the year, he wasn't rostered at all, and then it jumped up to, like, I think close to 70%, 70-ish percent, and then back down to 10 and up to 20 and up to 30 now. He's been on a pretty decent run of it, and if you look at his numbers for the year, it's pretty solid. They're, they're pretty all right. 290 batting average, 45 runs. There's nothing to sneeze at. Two home runs, 27 RBIs, six steals. I like what he's given you so far. And, yeah, this was a topic we talked about yesterday. Is Stephen Kwan worth it? And what we eventually pretty much came up with is that five outfielders, yes. Three outfielders is a little bit tricky. But down the line, I think he can probably add a little bit more power, be more of a Michael Brantley type. And that would lead to a lot of valuable – a lot of a lot of valuable. It would lead to a very valuable fantasy career. Uh, he's someone who walks as much as he strikes out, if not a little bit more. Uh, that he has a good skill set to be a solid one or two hitter. He can steal a few bags for you. He's got six, probably get up to 10, 12. If you mix that with seven, eight home runs and a, a 300 batting average, you're talking a serviceable fantasy player here. So I'm, I'm fine to add him in, in a five outfielder league or in a deep league where you only have three outfielders. I think that those are perfectly reasonable scenarios. Next guy we'll talk about is Keegan Thompson. He starts tonight against Pittsburgh. I've been a fan of his all season long. He's actually done a very good job. Now he's coming off of a rough outing before the break against the Mets. ERA for the year is still 3.43, 1.25 whip. The strikeouts, uh, not bad. They're not going to blow you away, but 75 Ks and 81 in the third. He's got seven victories, which, yes, not really. you can't really attribute victories to anything in particular. It's a team stat. It's not really a pitcher stat. That being said, he's done a very good job. They got a favorable matchup tonight where they are favored against Pittsburgh. I'd be happy to use a stream on him. He's already rostered in about 50% of leagues, uh, 42 actually. So it's not, it, it really depends on your format if he's going to be owned or not. I am a big fan of his. I think that this is a great matchup. Go ahead and stream him. No problem there. Next guy we'll talk about, not going to be a stream for me as much as I love him, Hunter Green. Hunter Green has become a one-category uh, pitcher, which is, you don't see that too often, but he's really just a strikeout guy. If that, if you just need a strikeouts, then he's a good play. But at this point in the week, you don't know what you're in need of yet. We still have a bunch of games to play this week. And with Hunter Green, uh, he's probably going to give you like four or five earned runs while striking out eight batters over five innings. Like that would be my guess, something like that. It's Miami, so it's not the toughest of opponents, but we're playing at Great American Ballpark tonight. I'm not interested. As much as I love Hunter Green from a dynasty standpoint, 
I think that tonight uh, you guys should just go ahead and leave him on waiver wires. He's been picked up quite a bit. We've got some ballsy folks out there. But for me, it's just not worth it. Ramon Urias just continues to produce. Uh, every night it seems he's doing something. He was two for four last night. He's been at it 50% over the last week. He's eligible at second, third, and at short. He's really, really been valuable. Uh, he's been one of the big reasons why Baltimore has been able to be successful recently. Maybe not one of the big reasons, but certainly certainly a factor there. Over the last month, he's batting 400. 22 for his last 55 with four homers and 16 ribbies. You'll take that any day of the week. With the eligibility, like I said, second, third, and short, uh, it's a no-brainer for me to go out there and add your eyes. Cole Irvin's the next guy being added. He will start tomorrow against Houston. I'm not a fan of this one here. I know he's had four straight good starts, and I talked about this a few days ago after his start against Texas. He should probably be added, but not started for the Houston game tomorrow. It's a little bit too risky for me here. Yes, he did well against Houston twice in this stretch of four games, but it's just familiarity is going to be too much, I think, at this point. I'm I'm avoiding him, not like the plague, but I'm definitely avoiding him tomorrow uh, against the Astros. Should be on rosters. I think he should be on a lot of rosters, but it's just a little risky for me there against Houston. Let's talk about Rymel Tapia. I knew it would happen. I'd hoped that people wouldn't do it, but some people still went ahead and did it anyway. He's been added in 6% of leagues, more than 1,600 leagues just today. He's jumped from 9 to 15% rostered for the season. He had a great weekend. You cannot deny that. He was ridiculous. He played two games. He drove in 10 runs. Now, that's a remarkable feat for anybody. We do need to remember that if Jaron Duran had fielded his position in the outfield the way he should have and seen the ball, I know it's, it's a tough one, but if he, had, if he had been doing what he should have been doing out there in center field, those 10 RBIs would be six, which would still be impressive, but it would not be as impressive, and maybe some people wouldn't have added him. And people are adding him just because of a hot streak. And, yeah, if you look at for the season, he's not too bad. Five steals, five homers. He's batting 286, 35 ribbies, 30 runs. He's been fine from that perspective. When you actually watch the games every single day like I do, uh, I'm not a huge Tapia guy. He's a he's a platoon player. He plays every other day. Sometimes he has two on two days off in a row. Sometimes he plays the odd two days in a row. But overall, he's not that valuable. He's really not. When he plays, he bats eight usually. I know he'll get the odd leadoff spot here and there if George Springer wants to, or wants if they want to sit George Springer down. I just don't see him being worth an ad in any league that's shallower than. I don't know, maybe you could make a case in 15s. But even then, just thinking about it, I, yeah, I guess 15 would be the lowest the lowest format where I would take a chance on him. You can't, you can't do it in 12s. He's just not going to be that guy for you. He's not that guy. It's just a hot streak right now. Over the last month, he's 21 for his last 50. Yes, that's great. It's just not going to sustain. The steals are way down from last year, which is a huge part of where his value did come from. I'm not I'm not sold on a Tapia ad. In fact, I'm I'm pretty pretty highly against it. And coming from a Blue Jays homer, you guys should you guys should really think about that one there. Let's talk about some of the more dropped players today now. And number one with a bullet, even though it shouldn't be, is Jake Odorizzi. And I only say it shouldn't be because it should be Trevor Rogers. But Odorizzi's been dropped in just shy of seven thousand leagues. He left yesterday's start with a blister issue after going, what was it? He went five innings, but he had to leave with the blister issue. He's been overall not terribly impressive this season. I'm okay to let him go, uh, send him back to the waiver wire, no problem. 
Trevor Rogers, he's just crap, man. Like he's just, I hate to pile onto the guy. I mean, he's not going to listen to this anyway, but he's just been absolute garbage. Next start, just to top it all off, is against the Mets. So if you're still holding on and hoping for a better time out next time for the 20th time, I would definitely not be doing that anymore. If you are still holding and starting, you are a stronger individual than I am, and I applaud you. But I also scold you. Get rid of Trevor Rogers. Mackenzie Gore. He is the next guy who is going to be headed back to a lot of waiver wires. Another relief appearance, more runs allowed, and he left with an injury. Not what you want to see. It was elbow soreness. His fastball velocity was down a couple miles an hour. I you just can't you can't hold on anymore. I hate it. I really hate it. But the fact that he's in the bullpen with this elbow shit now, it's like just get get him off the roster. At this point of the year, we don't have time to give people chances. And you know, just especially with with Mackenzie Gore, if he was still in the rotation, maybe maybe you'd hold out here and see what happens. But the fact that he's not even starting games for you, get him out of here. Corey Kluber, he gave up five runs yesterday against Baltimore. Not your greatest outing for sure. He's been dropped by a lot of people. He is down to, let's see, he's still at 67% rostered. But people overall, let's see how many drops there were. About 1,600 to this point. Probably get up to around the 2,000 mark by the time people start waking up all over the world. He's actually been pretty all right this season. He's got a 391 ERA. That's pretty okay. A 1.14 whip is also very good. Uh, so, Pitching for a solid team, yes, it's a hard division, but pitching for a good team, there'll be some win opportunities. As a whole, I'm not ready to be dropping him yet. It is a little bit concerning, two straight starts against Baltimore, not having the greatest showings, but it, it these things do happen. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. Jacob Junis had himself an okay outing. He gave up one run over four and a third. They're still limiting him on his way back here. Uh, he allowed three hits, he walked one, and he struck out two. It was fine. Uh, he's going against the Cubs his next time out. I think he's a decent ad for that game here. I, I, I like Jacob Junis. I think he's more of a deeper league guy, but he is capable of having some value down the stretch. You guys who listen regularly know how much I love the Giants pitching. So I, I would take a shot on him there if you haven't already for that Cubs start. I think that, that's, uh, I think that that makes a lot of sense. A couple more drops we'll talk about, and then we will move into uh, my matchup of the day, and then I'll let you guys go. So J.D. Brubaker, he was pretty strong yesterday, six innings against the Cubs, struck out four. Uh, it was a good outing, but he's more of just a streamer, so no problem with you guys sending him back to the waiver wire there. Sean Manaya, some people actually dropped Sean Manaya. Close to 1,000 people actually dropped Sean Manaya. By the time you guys hear this, it will be probably over 1,000, depending on how the rest of the people are thinking here. Tough start against Detroit. Not ideal, certainly not ideal, but... I didn't hear anybody praising him that much when he had a good start at Coors a couple times ago. They were saying, yeah, yeah, I don't really remember people talking about it, to be honest. Like, so if you're going to criticize someone for a bad start at Comerica, you have to also praise them for a good start at Coors, I think. And we didn't really hear too much of that. So I'm not dropping Shamanaya yet. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction here. He's not been great recently. No question, he's not been great recently. But I think that's a little premature to be dropping him. Now, his teammate, Estiri Ruiz, is being dropped, and I don't think that's really an exaggeration. Uh, he, well, he's gone from 44 to 26% rostered in the last week. That's number one. Number two, he's not playing every single day. He's been more of a platoon guy. 
there's actually been consecutive games that he's missed just for, for no reason, just for sitting him down. He's had 23 at-bats, six hits, he scored one time, drove in two, and he stole one base, which came back, and I think it was his third game he stole a base. Now, with the way that they kind of squashed C.J. Abrams stealing bags this year, it's not surprising to me that they've done the same with Uriz, or with Uriz. I kind of combined his first and last name there with Uri Ruiz, and I talked about it in the Sports Ethos Discord, which if you want to join, by the way, just send me a DM and I'll send you the link. These guys should both be stealing bases. There's no reason why, well, I mean, Ruiz hasn't been on base so much. There's no reason why Abrams... Should not have been stealing bases. It was a worry with Ruiz. It's so far coming true. He's not really playing that much. When he is playing, he's not getting steals. I added him in my home league, which is, well, one of my home leagues, which is a 10-team league. Because I had the N.A. slot, I figured he's about to be called up. I'll throw him in the N.A. slot, move him into the lineup. I forget who exactly I dropped or moved out of there. I actually can't remember now. But at this point, you know, I, I'm going to be dropping him today once I finish recording this because he's still on that roster. It's a 10-teamer. He's certainly not worthy of a 10-team roster slot. 12-teamer, even then, I'm a little bit cautious here. 15, if you want to keep him, sure. Uh, 10 and 12, I think you're, you're pushing your luck a little bit with what you're going to get out of Ruiz there. So I'd be inclined to drop him in most formats. Deeper leagues and dynasty, then sure, keep him. Uh, but for the most part, I'm I'm pretty ready to be done with Ruiz for this season. Before I let you guys go for today, we'll just quickly go over the pitching matchup of the night, which will take place at Citizens Bank Park at 7 p.m. Eastern. Aaron Nola and Spencer Strider, I've really come to love both of these pitchers, really. But Spencer Strider, I know he's coming off of a bit of a tough outing against Washington. It'll probably discount him a little bit in DFS tonight if you want to take a shot on him there. I'd be all for it. He's been elite. Uh, I really love Spencer Strider. I got a rookie of the year bet on him, hoping that it comes through, thinking that it will as long as he's able to stay in the rotation and keep pitching this uh, second half. So very much excited for Spencer Strider. Going forward here, I just love the kid. On the other side, Aaron Nola, who's turning in one of the best seasons he's ever had. He's been great recently, and especially his last time out, he threw eight and a third, only gave up four hits, struck out 10. Looking to build off of that here against the tough Atlanta lineup. Should be a very interesting game. I'll be starting both of these pitches. Should be a lot of fun. That'll do it for me today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed yesterday's show with Paul Spore, do go check it out. It was a fantastic episode talking about some trending topics like Juan Soto, Jacob DeGrom, Mike Trout. It was a lot of fun. So just scroll down the playlist and just click the one below this one. Should be, uh, should be worth your time. Follow me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You never miss a show, never miss an article, all of my tweet threads, obviously. Everything I do fantasy baseball-wise is over on Twitter. So until tomorrow, cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.